What's up, queens? This is your host, Savannah. And before we begin the show this week, I have a special announcement. I am pleased to announce that I'll be taking part in an Ask Me Anything during the first week of August, sponsored by FDS, for our Patreon subscribers at the Queen Shit and the Level Up tiers. You can ask me about how I like my tea, British weather, it's not great, British gentlemen, or anything else. No topic will be off limits. To take part in the AMA, please sign up to our website at www.thefemaledatingstrategy.com and then send us a message on our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy to receive your special Patreon badge for the website. I'm really looking forward to reading and answering your questions and I cannot wait to hear from you all. On to the show. Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest only female podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Ro. And this is Savannah. And this is Lilith. And today we have a very special guest, the Honorable Judge Lynn Toller. You may know her from Divorce Court as well as the current host of Hip Hop Marriage Bootcamp. She is also the author of My Mother's Rules, A Practical Guide to Becoming an Emotional Genius, Judge Lynn Toller. Hi, how are you? Hello. Hello. Good to be here. It's glad to, <laughs> glad to have you here. It's good to be here. It really is. So as we were discussing before we started hitting record, you have had a cross-continental influence because Savannah was the person who was like, hey, we got to get Lynn Toller on the show <laughs> <laughs> uh, because she absolutely loves your show um, and has learned so much about relationships from it that we also talk about here on the podcast. Uh, yeah, 100%, 100%, because I I found a female dating strategy in about 2019 um, and I've been watching Divorce Court since about 2015. With my, it was my older sister who introduced me to Divorce Court. and. It's very similar to FDS in that it doesn't... It's very straight talking, isn't it? That's what I really loved about the show. Um, and I felt like the women who appeared on that show, they went away empowered, even though the answer to their relationship problem may not have been, you know, what they wanted to hear, such as you need to leave this dude. But, you know, it was your entire approach to, to helping them to understand, to put themselves first and to not to not basically accept any, like, crap just to right. keep a man. And that's what right. really, really resonated with Right, me. right. Yeah, you know, I uh, did talk to a lot of young women on the show, and it, it, actually older women as well, and I think women often find that their sense of self-worth is so intricately intertwined with their status as far as being married or not married. And sociologically, of course, that's what we're going to do, because uh, for millennia, it was like you were defined by whether what male you were attached to. And now that we are in this new age where male attachment is not necessary to function in society, nonetheless, we still like having them. We still like, we enjoy them. You know what I mean? We want, we want to touch one and bring him home. So, or bring him home and touch him. I think that's a better order for things. Uh, uh, so we have to dis- figure out how to navigate this new normal. And, Love our relationships, enjoy our relationships, pursue our relationships, but don't be defined and destroyed by them. Yes, absolutely. I mean, so just just feeding off from that, um, like Judge Lynn, in in your time on divorce court and on the bench, you know what? Like, what would you say are the biggest mistakes that women make when it comes to dating and to being in a relationship with a man? 
Too much too soon. That's number one. I mean, we're, you know, dudes, I, I said this on a show once, dudes do a wonderful thing. They go out on a date and they enjoy the date. We in the middle of the day thinking, huh, well, this is looking good. That box is checked off. No, I don't like that. You know what I mean? We're, is he the one? Blah, 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 blah. We tend to do that a lot. And I would like you to enjoy the date just for that. We're big on that um, with female dating strategy. And we, and we we actually advocate for women to get in the habit of dating, if you can, like multiple guys so that you can stay in the moment when you're on a date rather than always every new man that you see, like projecting the future onto him. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So it leans itself sometimes to... Um, women over over committing themselves to men who haven't committed themselves to the woman if they don't kind of look at their dating pool in a broad way. Right. Absolutely. And we need to dabble more. And I mean, you can dabble with your clothes on as you know, you don't have to do a whole yes. lot of you just. Mm. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Thank you, you can wait before <laughs> sex. Come on. I mean, and, and it's like you're like. I don't need that. I don't need you, but I'm checking you out. I'm checking you out. What's happening over here? You know, always be honest, always be true. Hey, I'm just trying to find what I like here. And men will sit there and like, you know, like you become hard to attain. And that makes them competition for one another, as opposed to you're, you're seeking to cuff one up and, and uh, lock him down. Yeah, he should be the one trying to cuff you, not you trying to cuff him. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's how we do here. Absolutely. And it's, and it's uh, you know, when you get married, uh, it's such a boon for the guy. Most divorces are started by women, statistically. Mm. The vast majority, 70 to 80 percent, depends on the time, depends on where, are started by women. And typically, women are far less likely to remarry voluntarily. Because they don't want to, because we tend to give so much in the marriage relationship. I'm responsible for all of the health care. You know, I worry about his food. I look at him. What is he doing? Da, 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 da. Men live longer when they're with us. We do so much in, in knitting together that relationship that uh, you ought to feel like I'm going to give you so much if you get me. You got to work to put me in that position. Absolute facts. Yeah, facts. <laughs> Preaching to the choir, man. There's so many tangible and intangible benefits to having a woman in your life. If oh, you're my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Like, best case scenario, he'll have a medium or neutral effect on your life. But in more cases than not, he'll have an actively harmful effect on your life. So I always say I need a wife. I got a husband. <laughs> it, you know, I need a wife. I need somebody to to worry about it and and wonder about eventualities. Well, what are you doing tomorrow? Do you have it? To blah, 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 blah. We do all of that. And it's funny because when I started traveling for divorce court, uh, because I was living in Ohio and we've taped out in L.A., my husband had a whole new because I'd be gone for two weeks and he'd come back. He was shell shocked. He had no idea what was going on while I was there. Just none. Just, you know, so it's, we do a lot at the crib and you got to remember that. And so it's funny that we're the ones always wanting to lock down a, a committed relationship, but they benefit far more from that committed relationship than we do. Typically, not always are exceptions, but typically. Yeah, that's what we want to turn on its head, because it makes no sense for men if they benefit more from relationships. It makes no sense for women to be 
the ones who are constantly trying to lock it down. Absolutely. And we were talking about that with the pandemic, about how much uh, more labor women are putting in right now, because they're the ones a lot of times that are taking less hours at work so they can take care of family, um, not just their children, but like their larger extended family, which may be sick. A lot of that kind of work um, and emotional labor and work on developing the family falls on women. And it's and it's been really, really, really clear this past year and a half just how much that's true. <laughs> Absolutely true. I was talking to a girlfriend of mine not too long ago and her mother was was you know older and she she left town and her left her brother in charge and I said and he said well you know he's a dude so he <laughs> did about a third of what he was supposed to do because he didn't even think that way you know what I mean we think in layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and this isn't a negative a negative thing on them it's just how they do business they do this one thing along the line while we're like they're like uh, a laser and we're like photon bursts. We take care of a whole lot of stuff all at once. And you don't really realize how much we do because we do so much of it so quietly that uh, you don't see it. Yeah. It's, it's so bizarre to me how men simultaneously like undervalue the work that women do, but are also so dependent on it. So dependent on it. Just, yeah. I mean, just so dependent on it. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's gone. Yes. Yeah. They realize it when it's gone. gone. Right? Yeah. My sister's a doctor and um, she's a neurologist. And she, (laughs) when she has a a guy and he's got a wife, she won't let them come to an office, uh, a uh, visit without the wife because the wife does all the talking. The, The guy will always say, she'll ask them how they feel and they'll say, fine. And a lot of neurological changes can be small aphasias and, 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 and different things that are signs that men will either ignore or simply don't want to say I'm weak or this, that, or the other thing. So she always says, listen, if you got a wife, bring her because she's going to give me better oh information my, than you are. Oh my gosh. No, that's, that's so true. I have so many, I had a, a great uncle who died of bladder cancer because, um, he didn't tell anyone that he was peeing blood for like two years. And it was only when his wife found out that she dragged him <laughs> to the doctor's office. But by then it was too late. It was like stage four. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, if, if he'd told her like two years earlier, it could have saved his life. And it was interesting when I, I uh, my husband had uh, gallbladder surgery once and I was sitting in the waiting room and everybody who came in, whether it was a CEO or a construction worker, if a du- if it was a dude coming for a procedure, the woman came up to the front desk and did the business, and they uh. stood back. They stood back, and it was because and that's what I did when I came in. I said he's here for this, blah 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 blah, and you know. No wonder they don't live as long as we do. God, oh my! So, <laughs> so this kind of lends to our next question um, because so often these kinds of. Uh, tasks are taken care of by women, why it's important for a lot of women to ask for marriage and get marriage, because having this uh, ability is a lot of times precluded on your, on your, uh, on you actually being this person's wife and actually having a legal piece of paper. Whereas, you know, if you're sick or he's sick and you don't have marriage, it's a little bit trickier. Um, what kinds of things in your lifetime and in your career, um, that you've observed, 
maybe disadvantage women uh, by not getting married? Or what What would you say are the biggest advantages of marriage? And are you pro-marriage? Do you believe in marriage? I, I guess I should have asked. Yeah. Why is it Why is it bad to be a forever girlfriend? Or is it bad to be a forever girlfriend? Not if that's, if, not if you're cool with it. I got a girlfriend from high school, never got married, been with this guy longer than I've been with my dude. And she's fine. She, she doesn't have a problem with it. They live in New York. They're both, you know, high powered, this, that, or the others. And she's cool with it. She doesn't want it. I like being married. First of all, I like the fact that, you know, you go into the hospital and he's your boyfriend. Doctor don't know you from Adam. You're nobody. You're a legal stranger to him. He gets, he's, he's comatose or something. Uh, his parents can decide what happens to him and you're going to be the one taking care of him, but you don't have any legal rights because, (laughs) because you're not married. Uh, if he dies suddenly, uh, you know, all that stuff he's got, you not, you're not legally attached to him, economically attached to him. None of that. Uh, there are, uh, ta- my husband's an accountant. There are tax reasons why marriage is a good thing. There are, uh, you know, if you do have children, it is, it, it is a good thing to have that. What a marriage often does like for years, 18, 19 and 20, I ain't like my husband at all. Do you hear me? I, you know, I just soon (laughs) shot him and said hello to him. But we had kids and I'm like, look, they're teenagers. I can't, I, I, I can't raise them boys by myself. And we made it work. And I called my mother and she told me how to change the situation. I took 17, 18 years to get me in this mess. It took me like three years to get out of it, but we figured it out. But marriage is like, look, I am committed to the proposition of staying with you. And that means we're both going to have to work. And when you have that kind of commitment, when you put it on paper, when the law knows it, when, when medicine knows it, uh, it makes you feel better. And if it's such a not not big a deal, as they say, well, what's what the piece of paper? What what value is it? If it makes me happy and feel secure, what's your problem? Exactly. Yeah. Who the, uh, the piece of paper thing makes me so mad. Yeah, it's just a piece of paper. Yeah, you want to go. Yeah. If you're looking to stay single so you can go without any technical problems, and I don't want to deal with you because I don't want you up and rocking off because it's easy for you to do. If that's the only reason you don't want to get married. But if you say there's no reason to get married other than the fact that it makes you safe, secure, happy and sound. And you can't do that for me. Thank you. Next. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, (laughs) because it seems like people do everything that you know, would be done in a marriage such as they'll buy a house, they'll have kids together, they'll be together for 15 years, and then they'll say, I've been engaged for eight years, and you're just like, this just seems so backwards. Especially with millennials. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I talk about. I tell people, I call it an installation violation. And what it is, is you're installed in his life as the most convenient appliance he has. It's, it, it's sexually gratifying. You make meals, you take care of him, all the health, the cleaning, the cooking, all of that stuff. We call that a, a mommy McBang maid, yeah. which is not the same thing. <laughs> little but vulgar. But. It's, it's a great name though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And that's a woman's fault. If you install yourself into his house and then wonder why he's not going to give you a ring, you know, that's just silly. Yeah. So many millennial, uh, and I've even, I've even seen this in the mainstream uh, media talking about 
about this. So many millennial women now have committed to buying homes with guys. It's like, why? And sometimes these homes are just money sucks. Like they're, they're not even feasible fixer uppers that they're going to be able to flip in a short amount of time. And then they break up before they have a chance to even capitalize on the house that they had. And I'm like, what's the point of buying a house with a guy yeah. and you don't have some kind of stable long-term commitment? A mortgage is 40 years, right? 30, 40 years. I worked in finance for a long time and this was a tale as old as time to the point where the mortgage advisors would tell me like, on the down low that don't buy a house with someone you're not married to. They couldn't say that to customers, but we'd get, um, you know, we'd get people who were 20, 21 buying a house with their boyfriend. And oh. I just think in those, in those years, cause in the UK, it's very much like people look down on you if you don't own a house by 25. Like, really? You're basically vilified. Yeah. It's a massive, massive, um, you need to get on the property ladder ASAP. People like look down on you if you rent. Um, it's, you know, very much a mortgage culture. And for many people, the only way they can afford a mortgage is if they buy a house with with their partner two folks yeah and that's the only way they can get one but the problem is they're pushing this on young people when you're what 21 22 your life will change so much over the next five years and we'd see it all the time where they'd buy the house a year later he you know he wants to leave and she will be thousands of pounds out of pocket because they're in negative equity and it was really, really sad. If there's one thing I, yeah, if there's one thing I would really want to tell young women, and, and the book I wrote, Dear Sonali, Letters to the Daughter I Never Had, I had six sons. So, and I never got a little Dang. girl. And, sons. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> And um, I may or married married a guy with four sons. I had two more boys. He clearly can't do girls. I gave up. Mm, but the the one thing that I would say to them is don't fall into the river of culture because it's a Russian river that will have you all the way down and 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 land you in an ocean you never intended to be on just because everybody's doing it and we and we share what. Every, I mean, from the moment we get up in the morning to when we go at night, we share everything we do. And once we start doing that, everybody starts getting ideas about what we ought to do as far as, oh, this is what we do in the dating scene. This is what we do about a house. This is what we do about this. This is what we do about that. And the minute you start doing that, you end up doing stuff because it's culturally appropriate as opposed to personally acceptable. You know, it's not the best thing for you. My sister never got married. She just didn't. And she's a doctor and it just, and now, you know, the guys can't keep up with her. You know, she'll get a guy and she'll keep him for a while. And the minute he causes her trouble, she fires him and moves on. Queen. Queen. Queen energy. (laughs) (laughs) She's queen. We don't fault her at all. <laughs> no second chances. That point is very interesting about the the river of culture or the or the wash. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to remember how you phrased it, but like the how culture pushes women in a certain direction that a lot of times isn't beneficial to us. And if you don't stop and look around and think, where am I? Why yeah. am in the Why am I in the water? What am I doing in the water? Is everybody in the water doing what I want to do, or do I want to do something else? And can I swim upstream while everybody's going downstream? It's it's often it's a matter of just sitting back and acknowledging, oh, this is what pushed me to do this, as opposed to, well, this isn't, you know, just oh, I'm going to go along with it. You have to de- take a step back from what you're doing and decide who decided that you would do it. Was it you 
or was it the people around? So true. And and that honestly is why I think female dating strategy has had the resonance that it has and picked up the audience that we did is because a lot of us who were involved in the subreddit started to stop and take a look at our lives and realize where are we getting all these cultural messages that are pushing us towards things that when we start to take like an actual factual inventory of our lives have not been beneficial to us, right? Exactly. We mostly focus on dating, but there's so many other things, uh, so many other things uh, around that. Um, We already kind of touched on on some of the some of those uh, themes like buying property with men you're not married to (laughs) makes no sense too soon committing too soon with guys. And another thing that we rail against is how um, what we would call feminist culture sometimes pushes women to be way more sexually promiscuous or um, than a lot of women are comfortable with, especially at young ages. There's a, there's a big push right now for girls to get involved in OnlyFans, thinking it's going to be get rich quick, thinking it's going to be a money-making avenue for them can i say this very unpopular thing go ahead we love unpopular opinions <laughs> you may <laughs> go ahead <laughs> the sexual revolution bus was nice to be on but it backed over us in the end when we detached that sex thing from marriage it gave us a harder road to hoe now mm-hmm. no pun intended I like that this, it happened, and I like that we have the right to be sexual beings. And I like that I didn't, you know, that I allowed myself to be a sexual being before I got married. Having said that, uh, I was very persnickety, persnickety about it. You know what I'm saying? No hookups, no none of that. Sex is good, and you could get carried away with the joy of oh, this one, that one, the other one. But I think that. If you're not careful, and it sounds like, oh, women need to be modest and have a small body count. I hate that body count business. I think you should have as big a body count as you want, but you have to understand what you do and where you want to be. You can't have all of this and want all of that and expect it all to come at the same time. We're big on curating sexual experiences that actually we think are going to be beneficial and enjoyable. The the problem with the hookup and the fast sex is that a lot of guys just aren't good at it. I mean, there's no nice way to say it, right? So, So, you know, the way that we what we recommend with our strategies is to take it slower, but it's not because we think like, Oh, women need to be modest. Right. We need to look virginal to men. So right. You can get, you know, a ring or anything. It's because it's for our own benefit. We t- make them wait for our benefit. Create boundaries. Exactly. Exactly. And awaited sex is better than the hookup sex. I'm sorry. You have to get that anticipation, that weight on both of you. It's more fun that way. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's exciting. It's a, uh, uh, you know, maybe tonight, maybe not. You know, it's it. You got to enjoy the whole ride, and the whole ride isn't just the the rumpy bumpy when you're naked. The whole ride is getting to the rumpy bumpy. Yeah, yeah. I hate how it's considered abnormal nowadays to go on a date and not like hook up on the first or second or third date. I think that's crazy. I think I, I think it's very. I don't like how when I go on a date at the end of the date. Uh, I mean, sometimes guys are okay about it, but a lot of the times they act like shocked. Like, why would you be on online mm-hmm. dating and not hook up with me the first time we meet? Some of them want a hookup before even the date. Like, they want. Oh, it's just crazy. Just crazy. They they, they want they want <laughs> sex without even taking you on a date. Like, they, just come over. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 
Netflix and chill. I mean, it's just like, come over. Hey, get it. Can I grab a piece? Yeah, come on over. It's 2 a.m. Booty call. I don't believe in none of that. Yeah, it's like they treat women like, you know, pizzas for delivery or something like that. And no. so I don't like how no. I'm considered a prude or, you know, um, <laughs> you know, backwards for not liking that or not wanting to do that. <laughs> And if you don't, and if you can get it that easily, you don't really feel like you got to deliver. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. If you could just have sex with the, you know what I mean? Now, if you've been waiting to have sex with me for three months, four months, you're going to come in there like, man, you know what I mean? Excited and anticipation and you're going to make it, you, you really want me and desire me and it, it's going to be an experience as opposed to, hey, you know, ain't nothing on TV. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of guys, I mean, we call them low value men. So, you know, you don't want to be having sex with them anyways, but a lot of guys are low value and think that, oh, if she doesn't have sex with me on the first, second or third date, then it means she's not interested in me. Like if she makes me wait for sex, she's not worth it. And they move on kind of thing. So a lot of women feel pressure to put out sooner than they would feel comfortable with just to maintain his interest. And it's, a, that's a bad move. It's a bad calculation. He's yeah. just, <laughs> they're being hyped up by a lot of these male dating coaches who I won't name, won't give the dignity of naming. Oh, don't, don't get me started. I won't, but, <laughs> but that's, I mean, they're getting that kind of advice where if she doesn't have sex with you by the third date, she's not into you, you need to next her. Right. And so then they miss out on actual connections because they're so concerned about the fast hookup and don't, they, it's like they, they didn't teach them how to read attraction signals from women. Right. They just they, they just look at it like a formula, like this is the way it is. And if this does, she doesn't put out right away, then she doesn't like you, you know? Yeah. This is what women, we are in a society where every, we are so, such big fans of labels. You know, this is a woman, this is how women think. This is what, want, this is a man, this is what men think. And we're actually individuals. And it's, it's really difficult often sometimes for men to think of us as individuals. We are a pool of uh, people. Uh, and uh, especially when they're younger, they don't see us as much as individuals. As you age, the guys get more uh, knowledgeable about that, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah, I find like young guys nowadays are, I don't know if, if, if it's always been like that, because I am young, but uh, younger guys just seem to have this really intense um, like hatred of women, uh, or very like um, like bitter or feeling like women owe them stuff or if women don't do this or this, like, or they just think all women are the same and, and are kind of bad. And it's become so combative on both combative, sides. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's just very, you know, you go on to clubhouse and you go into these rooms and it's just, it's, it's horrifying. You know, the assumptions that both sides make about the other side, they demonize the other side. They take the two or three experiences that they've had with men or women and they universalize it and saying all women are this and all men are that. And we're coming to each other as, you know, labels and uh, assumptions and presumptions, and we're not seeing each other as people. And I remember one time there was a whole lot of people in a clubhouse room talking about, you know, what do you want in a woman and what do you want in a man? And they were talking that high value nonsense. I want a guy over six figures. How foolish is that? I want a guy over six figures. What you want is a guy that's got got a future, a guy that gets you, a guy that knows where you're weak and won't walk on it. I mean, there are so many things that make a good husband that that got nothing to do with the dollars or the looks or the sex. 
Yeah, I think we have a different diff- uh, use of high value, low value. Like if a guy is rich and has a huge dick and is tall and handsome and everything, but if he's abusive, he's low value. So exactly, exactly. Val- the value is like the degree to which he positively or negatively impacts your life. Impacts your life. That's so right. If he has a good impl- influence on your life, improves your quality of life, even if he's not rich, that we would consider that person high value. A low value man. Yeah. I'm the primary breadwinner in my house, have been for years. Uh, but that man, you know, when I'm depressed, he knows what to do. When I'm upset, you know, he, he I, n- I haven't filled my gas tank in years. He just, and he knows <laughs> where I'm, a, you know, when I say to him, you know, I love you, don't you? And he goes, what's wrong? Because I say that when I'm nervous. And so it's his job to keep me upright and feel good. It's his job to ride my weird with me. And you got to get somebody that gets you and willing to ride your weird with me. He's super high value to me because he keeps, he, he allows me to function freely and comfortably in a world that I find quite intimidating. So um, could you give us a little bit more insight about long-term relationships? Because we mostly focus on the dating stage, but we have had some of our users request like, okay, once you're in a relationship, especially when it's spanned the decades that uh, yours has spanned, what kinds of um, advice would you give to women who are in long-term relationships about how to maintain it? You know, what kinds of things, what kind of challenges to look out for? And Get in the habit of going to marriage counseling early. A lot of people go to marriage counseling as a, as the last ditch effort, and the, the ship is already sinking. They're on the Titanic. Suckers broken half. Everybody going down. We all know that. It's a hail mary. <laughs> but my husband and I, and this was his idea. He says, "Let's go to a marriage counselor before we got married." And we went to a marriage counselor. We took a battery of tests. We talked and talked, and then he sat down and talked talked to us about where we're going to struggle based on who I was and based on who he was and based upon our compatibility with the state of marriage, um, he told us what to look out for. That's one thing. And having done that in the beginning made it easier when we came on rough times to go again. It didn't seem like a horrifying thing. It didn't seem like, oh, I'm saying the relationship's almost over. This is something we do just like going to get a physical yearly to make sure that our bodies are fine. We make sure our marriage is fine, not yearly, but when things get difficult, we go in and we know. And I know his name was, I'll never forget him, Dr. Willie. And, and, he saved our marriage twice because we would go in and, uh, you know, after a while we learned to do it ourselves, but we, we, we made a habit of it. That's number one. Number two, uh, you got to learn how to have a conversation and everybody says communication is key. It is, but you got to learn. There are specific rules about having an effective conversation that you are least likely to, uh, obey when you are at home. Because that's where you feel you should be free. You should be able to say what you want to. But if you're going to have a discussion that provides you with clarity and closure and compromise, you have to really understand how to have an effective conversation. And most people don't. Most people come home and emote. And, and that's where you can't do it. I mean, you, you have the right to emote and all that kind of stuff. But when you're trying to solve, you got to know... There are methods by which to solve that a whole bunch of emotionality will not assist. Yeah, you have to be strategic in your in how you go about communicating to get the result right. that you want. Yeah. 
the best conversations have the most pauses in them because that's where all the thinking happens and you're not stepping on each other to talk to get your point across you are you are taking in what they said thinking about it determining you know where you can meet them halfway and then you come back with something that's so interesting. And, and I, I also uh, find it interesting that you guys did marriage counseling pretty early on in your relationship. It's, it's, um, I remember that used to be, uh, and I, I grew up in the church or whatever. So I remember that used to be kind of standard before you got married is like, you would go see like the church counselors or like, and I know with Catholics, they do that too, but it, it's interesting to see that you guys did that as well, but with like an actual licensed therapist. Right. Um, a really good way to kind of uh, really figure out where you guys both would both stand on certain issues and and uh, and how that would affect you down the line. That's actually that's really really great advice. What I'm trying to say is that's really really great advice, and I find that interesting that that seems to be a cultural constant. Yeah, if there's only one, one thing I could say to stay married, that would be the one thing to to do to do early and continue to do. Makes it easy. My parents are divorced, and that's what my dad said to me. He's like, "Well, if you ever get married." Make sure to get uh, marriage counseling before you get married and not after. Don't do what I did. <laughs> yeah, it's too late. <laughs> yeah, it's too late, Dad. Yeah, prevention is always better than cure, right? <laughs> so, exactly. I just wanted to, just to branch off slightly. So here at FDS, we are really, really big on on vetting, or as you call it, you know, for example, watching your man. You just keep watching him. Um how do you think women can continue to watch or or vet a man, um, especially as the relationship becomes more serious? Because it's easy to vet in the beginning when, you know, there's fireworks and you're like, I'm right. I'm, I'm going to go into this with queen energy. But from my experience and the experience of other women, it becomes more difficult the more you get invested into into the man and into the relationship. So how can we maintain, you know, the, the, the watching him attitude whilst also enjoying the relationship at the same time? You have to maintain some distance. Stop doing that soulmate search. You know, it's uh, yes. <laughs> filling in those boxes and, and we're always, Oh, I can work with this. I can work over this, <laughs> you know, and I, 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 well, I don't like that, but he's doing this. So all that, you know, be, be protect. Don't be afraid that he's going to go off. You know what I mean? Don't be afraid that yeah. he's going to leave. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's just not. I remember when, when my husband and I were dating and he came to pick me up at my office and he wasn't there. So I wasn't there. So he called me. I was at home and he says, why are you home? And I said, well, you said you were going to pick me up at five and by five twenty you weren't there. So I just went home. And he says, well, I'll pick you up there. And I said, no, I'm not going to go anywhere with you now because it's 520. I'm home and take my stockings off back in the day. And I, I ain't getting up. He was never late again. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you got to be tough with men. You got to teach them your boundaries early. But that taught me something that I expressed a need, timeliness, because I'm, I'm, I'm a monster on time. I expressed a need and that brother met it. That says a lot. So just, I mean, just don't get too attached too soon, you know, and it, and the more people that you date casually, the less likely that you are to do that. Not only because you're not uh, putting all your eggs in one basket, it also allows you to compare and contrast, you know, 
he, you know, this one guy might be a great conversationalist, but another guy, you know what I mean? So you can decide what you need more of and what you want more of, because the perfect guy for me might be a guy to drive you crazy. So there are no set things to look for. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you say that because again, we are a huge fan. We did an episode on, on, on rotational dating a few weeks ago. We are a huge fan of that. <laughs> um, just keeping a rotation of men, at least in the early stages, just so. And can I say this as women? We kind of like don't use our power well. Um, if we were, I, I remember I said on the show once a long time ago, wouldn't it be wonderful if we just had a no nookie Tuesday and like women were just saying, we ain't giving it up on two, every woman Sex in the world now, don't give yeah. it up on a Tuesday. <laughs> and, and, and first of all, you can see how okay it is to do without it. And just to, to how, how much they want to have sex with us, uh, is a powerful thing. And if we don't, if we if we remove ourselves from the chase and sit and let them chase and we all do that, then we'll all have to up their game. Do you understand what I'm saying? But yes. we're you know, we have to not be in competition with each other so we can establish a floor <laughs> for these for people to meet. And the thing is when women do the chasing or they don't put these boundaries, they end up compromising too much and being unhappy. And that's it becomes a race to the bottom with what women are willing to do to keep a man. But like, I would think the point of a relationship is to be happy most of the time or feel like it's fulfilling you most of the time rather than just having a man around. Right. It sort of defeats yeah. the purpose. Yeah, I had, I, I've had a number of women on the show. He's cheats, he runs around, he doesn't work, <laughs> he doesn't cook, he doesn't clean, and he won't marry me. And I said, why are you seeking to be attached long term to a guy that makes you miserable? And it's it, it's such an uh, unexamined desire on our part to marry, uh, just to be married. And I know I like being married. I love being married. It is a very good state of being for me. But I had to marry somebody that would make make my life better, not simply tolerate somebody so I won't be alone. Yeah, all these women that are like, yeah, my husband cheats on me, and he does this and this and this horrible thing, but he's like the best person ever, and I love him so much, and I want to marry him. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, and the marry and marrying them don't make it better; it makes it worse because you're they know you're yeah, stuck. Exactly. Like, why do you want to marry someone like that? I mean, I think there's also that element of, you know, women have been, you know, sold the idea that if you struggle for a man, eventually on some unspecified day in the future that it will pay off and he will will treat you like a queen because i remember seeing um the woman you've described on the show and you could tell that they the reason why they were hanging on for dear life onto this onto this onto this no good man was because they hoped that one day he would just transform into a prince um and obviously he that that day would never come but i think there's also that aspect as well you would think people would reciprocate with if you're uber good to them that they would reciprocate that yes. way. But often yeah. what happens is if you're uber good to somebody, I don't know what it is in human nature, and it's not just men, it's everybody. They 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 presume that they're entitled to it and want more and more and more as opposed to being grateful for having it and giving in return. 
Yes. So value yourselves, ladies. Um, so another question we had, since you have six sons, um, we've been asking this question of uh, a lot of our guests because uh, we do not have children and um, also we've never been boys. So what kinds of character traits do you try to instill in your sons and what kinds of things do you think influenced your sons to be good partners and what kinds of things should we even look for? I think I think a lot of it was... Uh, having a father in the home that was was very dedicated to the proposition treating his woman right. I mean, we didn't get along for a while there, you know, those three years and everything. But at the end of the day, we never took it outside the house. We weren't on the internet. We didn't do a lot of things. And I think, and and they saw even when we didn't get along, he protected and defended me. And I think they see that as primary. And um, it was interesting. Uh, it's just a matter of culture. Like I remember one time I took my son, he was like eight or nine to a specialist doctor for something. And the doctor was a dude. And my, and my son looked at me and he said, he can't be a doctor. He's a guy because my sister's a doctor. My gynecologist is a doctor. His pediatrician was a doctor and they were all women. So he thought women, only women were doctors. Do you know what I mean? Because it, yeah. and, and it never occurred to me, but my gynecologist was a woman. I, my gynecologist was a woman. My sister's a doctor. Her, his auntie was a doctor. And his, his doctor was a woman. So he thought that, and women take care of you. When I'm at home, when he's sick, I was the one taking care of him. So he thought that's what women did. And it wasn't a, judge, it wasn't a male job. But uh, so it's, a batter, it's about how they are raised. Um, I think that... Uh, a lot of it, they learn from watching their father. They really, really do. It's very important. We, you know, they don't want to hear you talk to them at all. Every time I open my mouth, everybody running from the nearest available exit. They're just, just how they are. You know, and they're your kids. They don't want to hear from you, but they watch everything that goes on. And uh, I think it makes a difference uh, when they have a good example. And, um, and when I, and when I think the women friends that I have are very professional and, uh, we're very, we live in a very married community and, you know, um, I don't know, they just learned from their father. And I remember the first time when my youngest was turned 21, uh, he went to a strip club and, uh, I tend not to be, um, uh, what do I call it? Uh, I tend not to be uh, judgmental. I tend to let them do what they want to and see what see where they go with it. And I said, so what would you think? He said, got to tell you, mom was a little rapey. And I said, oh, okay. And then I left the room and like, yes, yes, yes. I did my job. I did my job. I did my job. See, he thought it was rapey. Uh, you know. <laughs> so amazing, yeah. You couldn't told me nothing that day because I had done it. And um, so I, 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 I attribute all of that mostly to my husband. And I, I, I was a, I always thought I was a liberal mother, but I told that to my oldest once. And he said, who are you talking about? Uh, everybody, even our friends knew not to mess with you. So I was strong, but fun. <laughs> and my husband was dedicated to the proposition and they watched the right show. It's it's really interesting actually that you mentioned the 
the strip club analogy with your son because a few weeks ago we had Dr. Gail Dines on the show uh-huh. and she also has a son as well. And he had a very, very similar experience um, with a strip club that she shared with us as well. So I don't know if asking a guy's opinion on strip clubs is a good betting strategy. <laughs> it seems like the good ones just, just seems like the good ones are, are, are rightfully repulsed by it. it seems... Just a little uncomfortable with the entire scene. And, you know, I never really, you know, was like, this is this. But, but his father was very important. They have old school values about how you treat a woman. Like, like uh, whenever he would leave town and I would be home alone, ever since my kids were three and four, he would say, look after your mother while I'm gone. And when my son turned 16, he goes, look after your mother while I'm gone. And he turned around and said, dad, what does that mean? I can't tell her what to do. I can't, I'm not in charge. So what does it mean? uh, Look after her while I'm gone. He says, remember what I told you and left. And when he left, I, I decided to paint the wall and the wall was like two stories tall. So I get this paint and I'm going to, and my son comes out and says, what are you doing? And he says, well, I said, well, I'm going to paint it. And he said, no, no, you're not. I'll do it. And he got up on the ladder and he painted the thing. And then he got down and I said, and that is what your father was talking about. Take, he wanted his wife returned to him in the same condition he left her. And it was my son's job to make sure I didn't fall break nothing, get hurt, get scared. And that's what he taught him. That's so beautiful. I like my husband. I like my husband, too. I've never met him. I, just, I like you know, husband. We, we had a rocky morning, but, you know, I like him. Um, is, your son, is your son single by any chance? Would he like a British girlfriend? <laughs> Actually... I, I mean, are you going to ship him to the UK? Or- Wait, I, want to. I can travel. I can travel. It's fine. I, I like travel. I got one that's 29 and I got one that's 26. Neither one of them has a girlfriend. And, you hear that, ladies? And- They're single. <laughs> I, I can't wait for them to find the right woman. I cannot wait. The baby's very monogamous. So, but he wants to find the right one. But once he finds, I remember he was dating this girl. Longest time, and then he was. There was a gorgeous woman walking across. I mean, just gorgeous. And I was like, "Wow!" And he said, "Yeah, it's a shame. Women, all women, are so pretty." And I said, "Well, why is it a shame?" He said, "I'm taken. You know, like yeah, I'm taken. You know, I don't look at other women because you know I'm taken." That's what that is. If I got a girlfriend, I don't mess up. See, that's one of the main differences between like um, like a high value man and a low value man. The low value man would say it's natural for men to stare at other women. It's biology for me to want to cheat on my girlfriend. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, right. It's, it's it's biology. Right. I'm just looking. I'm not doing anything. But he, you know, was respectful. He acknowledged that she was beautiful. But but that was it. He wasn't. But that was it. It was just like you that know. Was it. I'm taking, I got my, I got my lady. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know how they got that. I just think they got that way watching their father. I don't really know. My oldest, the oldest, oldest married two kids, second one, not third one with the same girl since he was 14 and she was 15 and they're in their, uh, mid forties. And, uh, then the two babies, 20, 26 and, and 29. 
unmarried. So another question I had uh, to go along with that is, do you think there is a massive difference for women who are dating who are above 40? Because our our audience is mostly young, but we do occasionally get questions from women who are a little bit older about how to apply the strategies when I think dynamics change. You know, people have kids or a lot more people are married if you're over 40. Right. What what advice would you have for women um, over a certain age? I'm not really sure. It'd be perfectly frank you because I never dated Adam in my 20s and I don't really know. Fair. (laughs) You know, and I just, I don't, you know, I don't trust people who have an answer to everything. (laughs) So... I don't really, I I don't really know. I just, uh, everything's so different now than when us older women, well, I'm in my sixties, so it doesn't really, I mean, I'm really outdated, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's the recurring like joke or meme or idea or whatever that like the older you get, you know, the lower your standards have to be or something like that. Like when you're in your twenties, you can make all these demands of men and then, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, memes, you know, pictures going around like, oh, once you're 30, you know, you, you're like willing to settle for a guy who's got some convictions or who has this and this and all these flaws and stuff. And I don't think that's true. I think like, regardless of age, you should always have high standards. I, you know, my sister, I, I, I will tell you, she used to date, 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 and then she got more and more picky. And she, you know, as she got busier and her bank account went up, the less she would willing to put up with. Yeah, like you should get more picky as you get older, not less. <laughs> exactly. Yep. She just wasn't willing to put up with anything. Plus, I think, you know, you know what you like and you know, and you have your life settled in a way that you like, you know, you're more confident about leaving things behind that don't serve you. Yeah. And, and, and we really need to have our, my parents never talked to my sister and I ever about what you look for in a guy or what you look for in marriage. All they talked about was which college we were going to, what kind of businesses we were going to run. Uh, he, he started investment accounts for us when we were teenagers. Uh, and it was about being fully actualized individuals. Cause when you're a fully actualized individual, uh, the, the, the love piece is only a piece of you and it's not definitive. You know, it makes men optional and not definitional. And um, I think you you work from a, pow- a place of power and strength when you do that. And you also date with a sense of I'm okay without desperation. And you're able to, you have so many other things, so many other layers that are doing well or not doing well, that a man is just a piece of it, you know? Yes, Absolutely. So I think we are are just about wrapped up. I think I wanted to close out with asking you what your most memorable divorce court case was, just just because we're messy and we're curious. (laughs) What was the craziest (laughs) moment? (laughs) Well, if we're messy. Now, one of my favorites was the the one about uh, what 20 is for. It's for fine reduce that don't act right. That That was clearly one of my favorites. And I had another favorite where um, a guy in there was... uh, was bipolar. And I was telling him about being crazy and how to handle your crazy. And uh, Tisdale versus Johnson, where this was a black woman who had that angry black woman syndrome, quote unquote, above her <laughs> head. That's what her, her man was calling her. And um, we came to terms about her fears because she was afraid. And by the end of the show, she cried. And uh, I loved that one. But it wasn't messy. 
Do you want messy? Well, I think it's good to show women just, you know, working through their issues. Like we do talk about that on here too. (laughs) Not just about men and like all their issues, but, you know, helping you to bring yourself to a place of centeredness and happiness so that you can be, you know, the right person for the right person. Right, right, right. And it's not going to be perfect, but, you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't tolerate, you know, if they're spewing nothing but dark in your direction, you do not need that. I mean, I can remember watching a divorce court compilation of like the worst excuses like given um, <laughs> yeah. like, when men cheat. Um, <laughs> that was one. He was like, "It was an accident. I cheated." It cheated accident. Yeah. <laughs> and your face was like, "No, <laughs> I slipped into her vagina." Yeah, I was in bed with her, but nothing was going on. I, I don't know how that happened. I don't, I don't know how she got there. <laughs> I have one one last question, actually, um, Judge Lynn. Uh, what are some ways that because I don't know if you're familiar with the the Betty Broderick case, but I'm really into like true crime. Oh yeah, recently. and I, I don't know if you watch the show on Netflix, but the whole time watching it, it's so painful because I'm like, sis, this is not how you divorce a man and come out on top. Like, what are some common mistakes? Have you seen the uh, interviews? I'm I'm immersed in uh, Betty Broderick. Yes. I, I just, have you seen her interviews with Oprah in prison? No, I haven't yet, but I'm going to go. Go on YouTube and look, up, yeah. and, and, and look that up. That woman is so sick that even in jail, she thinks she did the right thing. She, 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 she cannot admit to anything going wrong. She doesn't talk to her children because her children, because she's still fanatical about that. Yeah crazy yeah i think the most upsetting thing about that case is like she essentially left her kids orphans because then she's in jail her the breadwinner dan is 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 dead but the whole time i'm like i'm looking at that case through the analysis of like okay once you realize that something's up your husband's cheating on you that's when you need to find a lawyer that's when you need to get two steps ahead because he the interesting thing to me is how he finessed the divorce such that she would get like nothing financially and um and you know essentially maximized his own benefit and she went about it like in all the wrong ways like not getting a lawyer for herself dragging her feet um you know the leaving the voicemail like the crazy voicemails and you know uh vandalism of his property and stuff and i'm like sis all of these things are things he's going to be using against you like this is not strategic right so what are some of the like, the more, I mean, Betty Broderick is an extreme case, but what are some of the more common mistakes that a lot of women make when divorcing that ends up where they end up screwing themselves over and how can women make better choices there? I think it's important to understand why she did that. She did that because she was raised in a culture where she was defined by who she was married to. She was Mrs. Broderick mm-hmm. and her whole life was defined that that. So she had no desire to get money or to get ahead of things. Her whole, her whole being. She didn't want to get divorced. Yeah. No, she did not want to get a divorce. She wanted to fix it. And other men in that, in that culture, they have affairs and you get past it and you stay. And you get past it. She thought that's what's what's going to happen. And since that w- defined who she was as a person, she could not let it go. Yeah. So that that's so what happened. Learn there is like don't define yourself based on your. You have to be exactly. willing to walk away because if you're in that situation where, and that's the the thing that's so fascinating about it is because you know he's cheating on you, he's doing all these things. Why do you want to still be with that guy, right? And yes, she's she was raised that way, but 
um, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're sensing that something's wrong, that's when you have to, you gotta be willing to walk away as a woman. Like if you're, if your husband is being, you know, a cheater or is like treating you badly or, you know, controlling you or whatever, you, you know, she, the, you, but you gotta, gotta get ahead. Yeah. You gotta go in strong. You gotta go in strong. You gotta go in strong. Yeah. You, you can't be like, pick me. No, you know, pick me. Oh my God. I've made it. You know, ha. Ah, no, it's not like that. Betty Broderick is an extreme case though, but what are some like common mistakes that women make? I mean, not lowering up is probably one of them, but what are some mistakes that women make when divorcing? How, how do they remedy? How can we remedy that? Well, they make a mistake during marriage by not, if they are not, uh, well acquainted with the financial uh, circumstances of the home. A lot, uh, sometimes, uh, especially if the, if, if the male is the primary breadwinner, they allow that financial piece to be completely on his table. And so you don't know what to look for. You have to go find a forensic accountant or something to find that money because you don't know what's going on. Uh, another thing is don't fight over the sentimental stuff. You know, this was a business, you know, uh, uh, Divorcing is the end of a of a relationship, but getting a divorce is a business transaction. And if you get how you feel confused with the money that you need, you're going to fight over all the wrong things. Yeah. yeah, like she was fighting over the China and like, you know. Yeah. Sentimental because it meant something. And how could he? This is when I and blah, blah, blah. That's not it. It's business. And you got to remember it's business. You got to be ruthless. Can't get get caught up in your feelings for sure. Feelings are call the attorney. He did the $500 an hour for him to hear your angst. Don't do yeah. it. You know, that's for girlfriends. And you can't take any of that stuff with you. I mean, you could get all that China and then just drop it on your way into your house. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's one of those things people yeah, get attached yeah, yeah. to things. It's really, it's not that important, but you, you know, you, you get confused when you're in it because you just cannot believe he would do it or she would do it, you know? So you get emotional about it and then you start doing dumb things. Is there any um, just, you know, general final words of wisdom that you'd like to give to our listeners, Judge Lynn? If you're a young lady, uh, just be a fully actualized individual. You know, don't... Uh, Make sure that your, your intellectual life is very busy and puts you in a whole lot of different pools of people so you can be in different circumstances and cultures and everything. You meet a whole bunch of different kinds of guys and don't just, you know, and, and, and the whole thing is to live as much of life as you can. And so don't, don't laser focus on any one particular aspect of your life to the detriment of all others. You are a fully actualized individual with a whole lot of depth and, 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 and interests. And if you're not, it's your job to become that. Words of wisdom. Thank you. Judge Lynn Toller, everybody. Thank you. I had a ball, ladies. You have a wonderful evening. Nice. Thanks so much. Thank you so Thank much. You. And that's our show. Please check out our website at thefemaledatingstrategy.com as well as our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash thefemaledatingstrategy, where you can hear weekly bonus content as well as roast discroats. Also, please follow us on Twitter at fem.strat. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all you scroats out there, this episode is adjourned. Adjourned.